Welcome to Joyful Eating. I'm your host, Jules Clancy, a former food scientist and winemaker turned cookbook author and health coach. I've discovered a simple way to have a joyful relationship with food without sacrificing pleasure or my waistline, and I can help you get there too. Listen on to find out how. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Joyful Eating Podcast. So before we get into today's episode, I just thought I'd share, I had such a great day yesterday. So it was Virgil, my my oldest, he was turned, he turned eight. I have a thing in our family where we just really celebrate things like that. So we take the day off work and school and preschool, and we even got Fogel's friend to take a day off school as well. We went to the zoo and it was just so fun. Like our local zoo is really beautiful. It's like small and big enough to have all the cool animals, but small enough to like really easily be able to navigate your way around. And it was just such a beautiful day. And we had a really lovely family lunch. And I just thought, yeah, it was a nice, nice thing to do. Anyway, today's topic is uh, trust yourself. So first we're going to talk about the story behind this concept of trusting yourself and how I came to apply it in my life. Then we'll look at you know why looking outside for nutrition advice doesn't work and then what you can do instead. And finally, we'll finish off with, as I always do, with a key takeaway so you know what you can take from this lesson and apply to your life right now. So the story behind trusting yourself. So this is just something that I've naturally done with myself in terms of nutrition. And I, I guess that comes from studying food science and studying nutrition. So I always felt like I had a good good understanding of the basics. And then when I wanted, had problems that I needed to solve, I was able to research and kind of learn what works for me. And also just because I'm a scientist, I always take that experimental approach. So I'm willing to try things on myself and see, to really learn what works and what doesn't work. So that's how I kind of came to this idea of trusting yourself. And it also, like in working with my clients, I've really noticed this. So one of my first, very first coaching clients a few years ago, she had some food uh, intolerances and she was really struggling to stick to what her, you know, dietitian had recommended. And we worked out that, you know, it was really her mindset that was the problem. So she was seeing it as like, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. It's not fair. So doing that work with Amy in in helping her come to a a place where she was actually seeing it as her choice made all the difference for her. And her taking ownership and trusting herself made everything different. And since then, you know, I've helped other people with food allergies and problems. And it's really amazing, like what a difference just that mindset shift makes. So let's talk now about why looking for outside nutrition advice doesn't work. And I think really it just comes down to, you know, we all have a bit of a rebellious nature. And so when we see things as being imposed on us, it kind of incites us to want to, on some level, want to rebel against, you know, the rules kind of thing. And I think the other reason why that you don't truly deeply understand all the time, like why, you know, there's these rules that go around whatever diet or whatever you're trying to do. And so when you don't really truly understand why, then you're not 100% invested. Like you can kind of get on board and you can do it for a while, but it just isn't, isn't part of who you are. And I think that the other reason why looking outside doesn't work and why like nutrition can seem so confusing, like you can find a case online for any type of eating. And it's because 
you know, people mean well when they're advising, but nobody really knows what's best for you and for your life and your exact biochemistry and how you're made up. And the thing is like, yes, we're all human and there are some general principles that apply to everyone, but nutrition really isn't one size fits all because we all have our unique biochemistry and how we respond to different foods. You know, our insulin sensitivity, like there's so many things that vary from person to person. And you know, just a great example of this is my insulin sensitivity isn't great. So I need to eat fairly low carb. And in order to get the energy that I need, I need to eat higher fat to, to replace the carbohydrate. So that works really well for me. But you know, I have a friend who has gallbladder issues. And so if she, which means that she has problem digesting fat and it makes her quite ill. So if she were to eat higher fat diet like I am, like that she would really struggle and be really uncomfortable. And you'll you'll have so many examples of this in your own life if you look at your friends and family, where you know what you eat and what works really well for you isn't necessarily what works well for other people. So I think that's understanding that and having an appreciation for why looking outside isn't helpful is the first step to trusting yourself. So now let's talk about like what you can do instead. And I think the the very first step is just acceptance, which is such a powerful concept in so many parts of life, but particularly here in nutrition, it's just accepting yourself and your condition. And that can be be challenging. But the, the thing is with acceptance is it gets you out of that it's not fair mindset. And the thing that I find really helpful is to think about is you know, there's no such thing as the perfect human specimen. I can't remember where I read that, but I did read it at some point. So everyone has something that doesn't work properly. For me, it's my blood sugar control and my diabetes. I've got other things that don't work properly as well, but in terms of nutrition, like that's what's broken for me. So everyone has something that doesn't work properly. So there really isn't anyone that can just eat random food all the time and, you know, not have consequences to it. So you don't have to agree with it. Of course, if, you know, if I could change it, I would love to have proper blood sugar control, but me arguing against it now that I have it isn't helpful. And so whatever that is for you, like whatever your condition is or your set of unique circumstances, can you make peace with it? And can you just accept that, yep, this is it. And everyone has something. So then our second step, into learning how to trust yourself is to really clean up your self-talk around that. And if you haven't listened to, I think it's episode eight that I did around self-talk, definitely make sure you go back and check that out because that explains like the psychology behind self-talk and how how it all works. But just as a summary, like the things that you want to keep an eye out for are things like, you know, I can't have bread, I can't have this, or it's not fair, or I miss whatever bread, I miss pasta, I miss rice or you know, whatever it is. Or thoughts are like, you know, it, this is hard. Because when you start thinking those thoughts, yes, they may be true. And of course it's not fair. However, if you keep dwelling on them, it doesn't help you make the healthiest decisions. Like it doesn't help you because you're just stuck on this like, you know, spiral of negativity. So instead, I really encourage you to like, when you do catch yourself thinking those thoughts, it's fine. Just let them go. Like, don't beat yourself up about them, but have some thoughts that you can think intentionally instead that are going to help you make decisions that are 
going to put you in a mind frame where you're more open to making you know, the decisions that are good for you. So one of my favorites is, you know, I trust myself to know what's best for my body. Or if that seems too much of a stretch, you know, something like, you know, I'm learning to trust myself and learning to know what's best for my body. Or even if that seems too much far of a stretch, then, you know, it's possible that I could learn to trust myself and trust what's best for my body. But you'll know where you're at. And it has to be a thought that's going to feel true because other Otherwise, if you're just going to be like, yeah, right, then you need to find a a thought that is going to be inspiring for you. So first we're going to accept. Second is to clean up your self-talk. And then the third thing on learning how to trust yourself is really to start paying attention to how food makes you feel, both in the moment when you're actually eating it, so is it bringing you joy, and also later, like is an hour later, how does how's it feel? Is it, and if you think about you know having a donut, like yes, of course it feels good in the moment, but then later when you have your blood sugar crash, it's you know it, you, and you're feeling really crappy and your teeth feel a little furry, uh, you know that's not so great. So paying attention to how food makes you feel motivates you to make decisions that are going to make you feel good now and make you feel good later as well. So then our fourth step is to, of course, eat more of what feels good and eat less of what doesn't. And that's you know just human nature. We're naturally going to want to do that. So once you're paying attention, you'll find yourself naturally being drawn to the foods that make you feel good now and make you feel good later. And then finally, like that can be enough, all those things. So accepting, just watching yourself talk, paying attention to how food makes you feel in the moment, like that can be enough. But if you need some extra help with this, one thing that can be really helpful and that I found really helpful with wine uh, and my journey to on you know, reducing my alcohol intake is just making the things that you don't want to eat and that you know don't agree with you, making those things really unattractive. And the way you do that is just educating yourself and learning more about it. So for me, on my journey with alcohol, it's like, I think there's, if you want to learn more about that story, I think it was episode four I did called Brew Sound. It, like I really go into depth on that. But the things that I did to, that made it unattractive really helped me to get to this place where I just genuinely don't want to drink a lot anymore. Like it's just not part of who I am anymore. And the first thing that happened was I started to notice that wine really affected my sleep. So if I had more than like two glasses in the evening, I would wake up in the middle of the night and just wouldn't be able to get back to sleep. And so that was the first thing that started me on the journey. But then, and of course, there was always the hangover aspect, like that didn't ever feel great. But then as I learned more about you know, the negative aspects of wine. It wasn't just sleep. I, I learned about how alcohol increases your risk of breast cancer like significantly. And it's not drinking large quantities, even just like one glass a week significantly increases your risk of breast cancer. And as someone whose mom died uh, you know, when she was only 63 from breast cancer, like that's definitely something that's really motivating for me when I think about alcohol. Uh, so yeah, making it unattractive, the less you just want to do it. And it just becomes this easy choice. Like there's no struggle. It's just like, of course I don't want wine because I know all these things. And, you know, I've done a similar thing with carbs and my blood sugar. So when I was had gestational diabetes, we were doing, I was doing pinpricks where I was testing my blood sugar four or five times a day. But I actually, since then, have there's, uh, you can get these like continuous blood sugar monitors, blood glucose monitors now that for two weeks, that'll give you, a, I think it reads it every 15 minutes. So you get this curve and you can really see how different foods impact that. 
So having that data is really helpful. And then just me reading more about diabetes and high blood sugar and just understanding like all the problems that it causes and why you definitely don't want it. Like diabetics, they can lose their eyesight, like they can get amputations, like it's nasty stuff. Uh, but then there's also like the more immediate stuff, just the knowledge about how high blood sugar impacts wrinkles. So there's these things called advanced glycation end products. So Basically, if you have high blood sugar, the sugar attaches to the proteins in your blood and that, that's, that drives wrinkles and nobody wants more wrinkles. And then there's also you know, the risk of mental health decline. So um, Alzheimer's and dementia is significantly higher in people that have diabetes and cancer as well. So there's you know, cancer cells. Sugar is what they feed on, basically. And I think there are some cancers that can, can feed on some protein as well, but sugar is the main fuel for cancer cells. So if you've got a lot of high blood sugar, that's just feeding the cancer. Uh, so just understanding that was just it just makes it really easy for me to choose most of the time to eat really low carb because I don't want any of that. Like I'd much rather eat a bowl of broccoli than than chow down on some donuts. So it just makes it a, a no brainer to make the decisions that I'm making. So um, and another example of you know how to make things unattractive is you know if you have another condition. So say you're you're a celiac. So you know, just really going deep and understanding like what actually is the impact on your gut health and the rest of your health if you are eating gluten. And then just it's going to make it easier. The more you understand that, the more it the easier and easier it is to make the decisions that are healthiest for you. Or, you know, say you've got a Hashimoto's or an, another autoimmune disease, like you can research and find out what exactly is happening to your body when you eat the things that cause flare-ups, but also like what's that doing to your health long-term. And the more you understand that, the easier and easier it's going to be to say no to, you know, that bread or whatever it is. So I guess to summarize, you know, what to do instead to in order to learn how to trust yourself is just, you know, accept it, clean up your self-talk and really pay attention to how food makes you feel in the moment and later. And then also like do some research and really understand what are the implications of the decisions that you're making and, and choosing these foods. All that is just going to naturally, you'll just naturally gravitate towards the things that are best for you. So a key takeaway for today is that I really want you to take this on board that you are the expert on your personal nutrition. Nobody can tell you what's best for you. It really is up to you. And just that you can trust your body and it is possible for you to learn to trust yourself and know what's best for your body. If you want to get some help applying this and really learn how to trust yourself, I invite you to join my group coaching program. It's called the Naturally Healthy Club. It goes for six months. We enroll twice a year. And if you want more details on that, if you just Google Stone Soup, which is you'll find my blog, and if you click on the coaching tab, that'll have all the information. So I hope you found this helpful and yeah, have fun trusting yourself. Okay, bye. Before you go, this is the best part. So if you enjoyed Joyful Eating, subscribe to the podcast and I'd love to send you a copy of my free cookbook called Six Ingredients, 20 Minutes, Simple Whole Foods for Joyful Weeknight Dinners. It's full of easy recipes so delicious they'll satisfy even the biggest food snob. Just Google Stone Soup and you'll find it.